Welcome to episode 286 of the No Proscenium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles, otherwise known as The Kitchen Table. This week on the show, coming to us all the way from Australia, is filmmaker Violetta Ayala, known to her followers as the Jaguar S. She is the, the, the architect of Prison X, this absolutely incredible virtual reality series, uh, the first chapter of which, The Devil and the Sun, I had the opportunity to see at Sundance. And this piece, um, you know, when we, we get on this show and we talk about the convergence of virtual reality and immersive theater, um, well, we're imagining things like Prison X, just a stunning piece of art that could in so many ways only be realized inside virtual reality, but could only be realized in virtual reality by someone who has made film and made theater and just has something going on with the story that they're looking to bring to us that is just outside what you're going to encounter if you just flip on the streaming service and let Disney Plus or Paramount Plus or News Plus or Plus Plus just just wash away all of your hopes, fears, dreams <laughs> into a slurry of perfect streaming. Uh, that is not what you get in Prison X. Um, it is really something special and it's still in development and it's making the festival circuit. And I'm just excited. There's, there's so much that Violetta is baking into this piece here and we're going to get into it. This, this is a big one today. Um, couple of things before we get into the interview. All right. Number one, coming up at the end of the month on the 27th and the 28th, we've got Everything Immersive Spring Fling. It is happening. Tickets are on sale. If you go to herefest.com slash spring dash fling. Yeah, I should have caught that, but it is spring dash fling. Herefest.com slash spring dot fling. You'll get the latest information about who we're doing this with and a link to the tickets, which are on sale. And look, if you're a no pro Patreon backer, they're just five bucks. If you had a badge to the Here Summit and Festival, it's just five bucks. If you don't, it's ten bucks. But you know, you can always become an Oprah and Patreon backer. We'll get to that in a second. I wanted to take this moment uh, to share with you, and this won't be typed out until Monday, but for those of you who are listening right now, I wanted to tell you the first piece of programming that we are very, very happy to announce. And once you hear what it is, you're probably like, oh, of course they're doing that. Um, I am super excited to announce that we are going to have our first ever um, cast panel. We're going to have the cast of The Under Presents. This is a community panel 
So this one goes out to both creators and fans, and you get it's it's our little version of Hall H. We've got like almost a dozen members of the cast. Like I'm not entirely certain how we're going to pull this off. There's just going to be a lot of them, and we're going to be in Zoom. And if you're a big fan of the Underpresents and you've always wanted to talk to them, this is going to be your chance to do that. Uh, if you're someone who's fascinated with what how how folks act in these environments you're going to get to find out about that i'm just super excited to bring these amazing performers uh who are almost almost all of them are are immersive theater veterans here in the la area uh and we're going to have them all together we're going to have like a good portion there might be a couple of people who can't make it uh also right now these days um some of them are in the 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 final remount of the tempest which is going on in the under right now. And so this is just a way for us to celebrate this wonderful production that's been up uh, and that is that is for so many people made, uh, made this whole quarantine thing a lot better. And we're going to get into it and we're going to, we're going to go through. And so come on down. It's, it's, it's our first ever fan panel, if you will. And uh, I'm just, I'm so glad that we get to do this. Uh, and it's a, it's a change of pace for what we do. We usually, you know, we, we do the summit. I love the summit. I love, you know, digging into the meat of stuff, but spring fling, this is something, this is something different. It's time for us to celebrate the work that's been done, celebrate, uh, you know, those of us who've, who've been lucky enough to make it through and get ourselves excited about the opportunities and the potential of what's to come on that note. I want to note uh, some of our partners on this. All right. So Kent Bai of the Voices of VR podcast, uh, he's going to be uh, doing some sessions in Clubhouse uh, with us uh, on Saturday night. We've got uh, our friends from the XR Social Club. Uh, Will Cherry is going to lead uh, a VR world hop, at least one. Uh, we might get some other folks from the Social Club leading some VR world hops. Our friends at the Wild Optimists are going to run a couple of games for us. Uh, what else do we got? We've got our friends from Room Escape Artist are going to run a panel. And so are our friends from uh, ARG Net. And that's not all yet. We've got a couple of more uh, partners to announce. Uh, and a lot of the information about the sessions is going to start dropping this Monday. Um, I, I'm amped. We're going to have... Um, and have a panel. Of course, we're going to do the kind of a storytelling panel, but we're, we're framing it a little differently this time. And you, when you see who you've got lined up, that's going to make sense. What I just said, I, I'm keeping these surprises, but I just encourage you right now. It's five bucks. It's 10 bucks. We're not done announcing yet. You've got this opportunity right now while everyone doesn't know what's going on. Jump in there and get those tickets uh, before they vanish. Um, Cause there's a there's a good chance we may we may get to a point where we're like yeah we can't we can't really do anymore because we can't really serve anymore so swing on by grab your spots. Um, speaking of Kent, uh, just last night we did uh, I'm recording this on Friday night. Just last night we did uh, our first ever everything immersive radio in Clubhouse. Uh, I know uh, you know I too have mixed feelings about Clubhouse, uh, but. I've also had some really great experiences in clubhouse. So that's why the feelings are mixed. Like there are high highs and there are low lows. Uh, but we decided to try something a little different, uh, for the next, at least the next two Thursdays, 
and this past one, we're doing a show, Everything Immersive Radio, What Stories Are You Playing?, where we've got the, our panel and everyone in the room is welcome to come and tell us about what immersive and experiential work can take any form. What is they're enjoying right now? What have they been enjoying that people should know about? It's a big old uh, kind of what you've been playing section from a, from a video game podcast, which is my favorite section because it can go, conversation can go anywhere. But we learned a lot last night. Kent did this beautiful thread that tried to track what everyone had said. So we're going to figure out some more ways to like get those notes uh, out there to everybody. Uh, Kent's going to be keep on making these threads. It's sort of what he specializes in. And so uh, that's linked in the show notes. If you want to see, uh, <laughs> you can check that out. Uh, these aren't, these sessions aren't going to be recorded. This is not a podcast it is a live event. Um, but we are also looking at uh, some other stuff to do with this format in particular. And uh, we know that not everyone can be there at the time. Um, uh, so at some point, maybe maybe those sessions will get recorded or maybe something similar will get recorded. But we we do have Kent uh, sending those Twitter threads out there. And so if you missed the information or if you're in the room and you missed something or you showed up late, it's going in there. Um, this is an exciting time of experience, experimentation for us, um, a chance for us to reach new audience members, um, new audience members who hopefully are enjoying what we're doing and are becoming Patreon backers or they're coming back. Our latest backer, uh, Leonie Reynolds is actually a returning backer. So, Hey, glad to have you back on board. We're back up to 345 backers at the moment. So we're so close to 350, but we do have a long road to go to a fully self-sustaining you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash no proscenium, joining the Patreon. Um, backers of the Patreon, uh, they do get some exclusive con uh, content. They get invited to exclusive things. They get discounts on our events. And uh, they have special roles in our Discord because, another big bit of housekeeping here, uh, the Discord is opening up. We're sunsetting the Slack and the Discord is opening up this weekend. Uh, the invites are going out into the Slack pretty much as soon as I finish recording this. Uh, we're inviting people in. We will have our first uh, open happy hour next Friday, next Friday, in the Discord, inside the Discord cafe. Uh, that'll probably happen around, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it 6 o'clock. Six o'clock. Gonna push it back a little bit. Six o'clock next Friday. We're gonna have a happy hour for everyone who's running around. Um, and I think we're gonna be uh maybe looking forward to what's going on at Fifth Wall Forum next week. So again, if you can join our Patreon, uh two dollars. Two dollars is all we ask for. Hey, there's there's some math puzzle in there, if you know what I mean. All right. Need to give a big shout out to our sustaining backers. They are Ari Hurston. Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Balthazar, Samuel Mystery, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. All right, this has been a big old section of the news, almost 12 minutes before we get to the interview, and this interview is a doozy. So, uh, reset yourself, get ready, and I will see you on the other side. <laughs> I wanted to start off with, you know, 
I was so impressed by how much you managed to pack into this, you know, relatively brief experience. You, you've got this incredible, uh, you know, participatory narrative that, you know, melds uh, a contemporary story with mythology while putting the, the user into the center of that. But where I wanted to start with, you frame it all as a piece of theater that the participant is coming into to perform in because an actor is missing. And since almost everyone who listens to this show is a big theater nerd, I wondered if you could start by, by getting into that choice here. Uh, I suppose we should also have you set up what Prison X is. So I jumped right into the question before. So maybe you could tell prison, what everyone what Prison X is and then, and then get into like why, why theater is the frame for this virtual reality piece. So Prison X is a story within a neo-Andean metaverse because we created an entire world. And the final aim is that it's going to be a total open world and the Jaguars will give you to play different characters randomly assign you. At the moment, we're just going with one character. So it is an immersive and interactive uh, film um, set in my imagination and also in in a prison or getting into prison and said also in a theater. Um, so it follows at, in this stage you are going to ask to be you're going to be asked as the participant to play Inti. Inti is the godson, but it's also a guy who's been called uh, with kilos of with uh, three kilos of cocaine in the border with Argentina. And um, and then a journey starts. I think that um, we create, as I said, it's, it's, the, it's, it's a neo-Andean metaverse because we mix carnavales, the masks from carnavales. We, use, we mix the festivities of alacitas, that is everything is little and you buy it. We mix in... Um, meets of La Pachamama, and we also use all of the characters that we have in Bolivia, usually. Like that, the devil, um, people believe that the devil lives inside churches and chapels, so we use all of these um, ideas and ideology and philosophy and fashion and costumes and music and sounds from, um, from our own imagination, but also from the point of view of all the growing up in Bolivia and being Quechua and Aymaras from Bolivia. So this is a mixture, like it, everything goes. It's a, that's what I say, it's a metaverse. We created everything inside. We haven't outsourced absolutely nothing, not even the sounds or the music. Everything has been created for this experience. And it's... It, I don't know because it's interesting because when you think about film as a flat film, we think, oh, it's very old. But in terms of humanity, film is really young. We're still defining what film is as we go. It's only 100 years old. And when we talk about history, my grandmother, I trace her back down. My grandmother arrived, 
across the Bering Strait 25,000 years ago, all the way to the north of, the, of what is called the Americas. I call it the Abiyala because that's our name for the whole Americas. So, and then 17,000 years ago, we, start, we, like, we lived there, and we don't know yet when, if when, this, if when the colonialist, the colonial powers arrived, we went to the middle and to the south, or we did that earlier, we don't know that yet. Mm. But anyway, so if, if you think about it, the Ketras, we used to write with kipus, and kipus are a very artistic way to describe things. Kipus are notes that you do. Um, so for me, it was to recover all that and also to, in a way, start rewriting cinema as a concept. Cinema is so young, cinema is a baby. So when you call it a film, a flat film, what is a film yet? We, we're still defining that, like in terms of artistic endeavors and storytelling. So for me, it's a medium. I don't know. That's why it's a bit confusing to call it a film, an immersive film, an interactive film. Yes, but that's the potential of cinema, of what it can be, cinema will be very soon. Yeah. And theater is an older art form than cinema. And if you think about it, like as an evolution from theater to cinema, they coexist, but the storytelling went from one to the other. And if you go backwards, go to the jeroglyphs and then, so if you think about it, we build things one after the other and we create new forms. Sometimes those forms coexist, sometimes those forms diverge, but then they go back to coexist. So that's what's for me, a beginning of thinking about how the fact that I had a blank canvas, it just allowed my imagination to go further because I didn't have to take any inspiration because it was no inspiration to take. I had this blank canvas and the only inspiration that I have is my own imagination and my own philosophy and my own mythology. And, and when that came to that point, I realized that that's all that I could imagine. And this is for me beautiful. So much of what you do in this piece, I found a lot of resonances with the kinds of work that's being being done by folks who are making physical uh, immersive experiences, because you've, you've got the the character. One, you've you've put the participant into a specific role. You've given them. Uh, a, a headdress to wear, which becomes a costume, so that they, you know, you've you've given them the moment to look at themselves and see themselves transformed, and then you have moments where you, you know, take characters through prosceniums uh, up onto a stage, and then the world kind of transforms. There's a lot of going through portals that then open up into different spaces, and so much of the storytelling is spatialized and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, was that coming out of a, a practice you had rooted before you made this piece or are these things that you found as you were looking at the blank canvas and deciding what was possible? I think first that I'm also have a background in theater. I used to be a theater actress and I used to write when I was quite young and then I, I diverged into uh, filmmaking. I made four um, documentaries. So I always had that in the back of my mind, I guess. And the people that I work with in, in Prison X, it just, you know, I mean, 
everyone came from a different background. And the fact that I seen many pieces, I seen a lot in VR, but a lot of the times I used to ask myself, why is in VR this? Like what I always wanted to interact, to do something, but I couldn't know. And that fact really bothered me. And I'm thinking why I am like now uh, with the Quest 2 and things are better, but before when you had to put the cables and everything, and I wanted to have a payback for this. And if I wasn't, I don't remember anything after. I don't have any emotions. When they say it's an empathic machine, I'm like, but I don't feel any empathy. I cannot, like, I didn't feel anything. I don't even remember what I watched. And I was a little bit bothered by that fact. So I, I quickly realized that we have to reinvent this language and we have to um, understand for from the point of view of the the. I have to make the person a part of it, like in theater. Mm. I have to, I have to fight, uh, not fight. I have to try and do this um, trans as theater. So I wrote the script, and I wrote a lot of scripts. <laughs> I wrote script for an entire series, and I remember when people were looking at my script, and then they told me, "Where is the?" user experience and I say the entire user experience is within the script the script I just I just took like a normal film script but I just re-imagined and invented things I put like different colors like blue is in what the user will potentially do this is going to happen so I divided in colors and I just invented like little marks like little, little things so will mean different things and I said the user experience is within the script and then I remember um, even at a lab in Copenhagen or in Sa- and also in IRFA and even Sundance, people saying to me, but like, it's very simple. Your script is very simple. Or like, what is the user experience, the meta? I said, it is all in there. It is simple because at this moment, um, like the visual experience and the ear, like what you hear, and your own experience is what's going to add to this world. I cannot um, plunge you into with a lot of ideas. And and it was even more deeper before. It was bigger with like the devil used to say more things and everything in the beginning. But then I realized it is too much, too much to think about it and to take everything inside that at the end, you're not going to remember anything. So I said, we're not there yet in this medium. We are going there. But... Now you have to understand that we have to give everything to the audience through the visuals, to the sound, to the audience walking, to the audience feeling things. Like the user is part of this experience. So you cannot just tell it like in a film everything. It has to discover. It has to participate. And you have to allow room for that. And that's why I say the complexity of this story is in the philosophy behind, the colors behind, the aesthetic behind, the sound behind. It is not, it's not like, you know, it's not a preachy piece. I don't want to preach anything. I'm not, you, you, when you go to these places, you don't go to get preached. You go to experience. So I was quite adamant about that point. And I remember like people were saying to me, um, immersive and interactive does not work. And I'm like, well, it will work. And then I remember uh, Sleep No More. And uh, I knew exactly when in 2015, when I discovered Tilbrush, that Sleep No More will become a reference in what I was doing because I realized that that's how I will get it to work. 
One. Second, um, De La Guara, this theater troupe from Argentina that did amazing shows. That's another experience that, that like, um, if you think about it, when they walk over the water and it's just a plastic and the audience gets involved and you, you're one of these workers in a machine. And from my own experience and from El Teatro de los Andes and how they how the construction of um, like of, of you participating, if you take that into this world, th that's when I base myself. So that was from the very, very beginning, from very yeah. early on. So much, so much of it, it, it. It's fascinating to me that as part of the lab process, people were asking you what's what's the user experience because I imagine they're thinking about, you know, what's the interface, how are you know how are they using buttons, what what are they taking with their hands, and yet for me, what you've built here, you know, you're you're speaking of it as like the the entire thing is a user experience. It's because it's about the relationships. It's about your relationship as the participant to the role of Indy and then Indy's role inside the world of the prison, which is also uh, the, the world of the mythology. And that and then those relationships realized in a way that is both emotional, but also specifically spatial that it's the physicality between you and and the other characters. Um, you talk about color. I wonder if you could talk about scale a little bit here as, as one of the tools, because that's something that no one can do in physical immersive, is play with scale that way. Well, I mean, not no one, but it would cost a lot of money to pull off some of the tricks you pull off in VR. The thing is also, you know, when you see the possibilities of what you can do, and as you said, these are things that are really, really hard to make in real life experience. And you need, you need to make, like, but here it was only playing with the scale. Like even when you're in till brush and you create something little and then you open and you see a big and then you see a small, it's something that it's for me adorable. And it's also very impressive. And then you like, if you think about carnavales in Bolivia, where we where we inspire all the costumes or most of the costumes, um, carnavales is really big, and the the costumes are really big, really really big. And also we have the other the other festivity that I really love that is called alacitas. That where you buy everything is small, tiny tiny little things, cars, houses, whatever you want, uh, food like really small things. And it's like it's at, like you offer that to the mother earth, to the Pachamama. So for me, I wanted to really study these two, to the philosophy between these two specific um, cultural events, and use that as the devil has to be big, like in carnavales, but also the people have to be very little, like Inti. When you're Inti, you're little, because in, in Alacitas, you can buy yourself a little doll if you want a daughter, or you can buy yourself a little doll if you want a son, or if you, uh, you want to be a doctor, you can buy yourself a little doll, you dress like a doctor. So that's why I wanted to 
when you see yourself as Inti in the only moment, like you see yourself in the mirror in the theater, but then you see yourself later, I wanted to play with that idea of you are this little, like this little doll. And scale works very well in this world because it's something that we can we cannot do in the real world and we also cannot do in this way in film because in film you're just watching a 2d screen and but in this case actually we could even go bigger to play with these two two ideas and when you think about puppets i also thought a lot about puppetry and at some point we put we make them puppets all the way, but it really didn't work. It didn't mm. work because you stopped believing. So then I just will give you the trick in the end, but I'm not going to to bore you all the way because it will take the emotional experience. However, the sound is very real. We use a lot of the sound that I use in my documentary in Cocaine Prison, but also my brother... Um, by the way, my brother, Rolly, is the sound designer and also one of the illustrators and technologists behind Prison X. So he, he talked to a cousin and he went um, to the plaza and recorded the sound and it was COVID time, so the police is really having a go at him. And then you even have that there because we record um, and like he's recording with very old technology, but that was much better than actually... Um, just like just putting other sounds again um yeah there's there's something there's something really grounding about having you know real world diegetic sound in order to create a, a soundscape and i think a lot of that comes from just you know we pick up so much information from our ears just at a subconscious level and you can plunge someone somewhere just through sound alone and even though you have something that's visually really stylized it takes on this weight that without the that with just like a foley sound or or just uh you know invented sound it's not going to have yeah and we do have also like it the sound like we like when the devil talks, we went outside the opera house here in Sydney and with speakers and we just in the middle of the night <laughs> outside because we needed this very, very big space. So we, we just played it and then we recorded with an ambisonic mic. So, so, so you, so you, so you like, cause like you like projected the sound into like the Sydney opera house, like that, that shell and then recorded with it. Outside. Okay. Yeah, outside that. Oh my goodness! In a, in a little, in a big tunnel, so we could yeah. give you this spatial idea, and then so we projected and we recorded from there. The sound. I of love the that. I and love also, that. And also, we again, like the music. It's another monster, you know. What I mean, like the music was done by a DJ. He, I met him in a party in Sydney, and he said to me, he is an amazing DJ. And then he said to me that his mother was from the same city where I was born. And it took me a while to convince him because he has never done a music. Um, then he said, I will try one song. I never make a music for films. And then the, what he did is like he went and found like Calamarca, a very old uh, folk uh, traditional band, and used that for the first 23 seconds and then and then start playing from there. And, there, and, and then we added... Uh, 
Jaguar sounds. Look, he added uh, Jaguar sounds, and he did all these jungle sounds, like that sound in Bolivian jungle, and put it there. And then when he brought the first piece, I was like, wow. <laughs> and I remember a lot of friends were wanted to do this score. And when I said to, to them, one said to me, what, what this guy has, show me. And I show, and he said, yes, you're right. I couldn't do better than that. I said, no, because you're not from there and you've never been there and you have no idea how it sounds. However, Sunny, it, he's been in Bolivia. He was born in Australia, but he's been in Bolivia plenty of times and he grew up with the culture. So he understands how it sounds and how, like Cochabamba, my city, is three hours from El Chapare, where like the Amazonia starts and all the jaguars live there, but three hours from the mines, like it's in the center of Bolivia. So we have this incredibly sound place. And so for me, it was very important to play the sound and then the music as a different, as a, as a, as a filmmaker will play with this, you know, but we can took it because it's VR. If you put that in a normal like city with jaguars, everybody will be confused, but it's VR. We can do whatever we want in a sense. And it made sense because the jaguars are there. Of course, jaguars will never be in a theater in real life. So, oh, maybe in the circus, I don't know. Jaguars, <laughs> lions maybe, anyway. But like that that's the fact that, that you could go further with your imagination, but you also had to give me references of what's real. So I do believe what you're saying and I have references to these sounds and these feelings. Um, you know, it, as I said, it, it's a lot of philosophy goes underneath, a lot of thinking, a lot and a lot of um, intuition too. It's, we follow a lot of our intuition, even like my brother learned to code in Unity uh, because when we sound the sound set, when we are like the the programmers and the technologists are putting in putting it on inside, it's like it doesn't sound like we want it. And mathematically it was correct, but it didn't work. So then my brother and I, we learned to use Unity. So then we will, like, we will hear it and say, well, no. And they say, but it's not correct where it is. I say, but there sounds better. And like the machine, in the mathematics of the machine will never think like I do. Will never mm-hmm. hear like I do. It's not going to beat me. I, I always say, <laughs> maybe it will beat a lot of people. But for me, what I make is always going to be better than the machine. I will teach the machine, but the ma- machine can't teach me. Sorry. So I can be, I, I can, that's why I like to work with people who are really open to try and not stuck into, into this. This is how you do things because yeah. you can do things the way that you want to do things. Is it almost like trying to get the, the all these coding-based environments to feel a little more analog, to feel a little more like, you know, like a hands-on tool? Yeah, it's like mistakes, you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. you like, a, you like a person not because it's uh, completely beautiful. You like a person because of its mistakes. Right? You believe when a person is talking because of the mistakes that person makes, of the way that person talks, of the of these uh, particularities that yeah. every person has. And I think it's the same within with what would be different inside if you're trying to create that. And you, it's interesting because I said Prison X is digitally handmade. It's all handmade because everything is being ha- drawn by hand in tailbrush. And 
everything is being pretty much programmed by hand <laughs> and and everything is being recorded by hand it's real like it's not digital made music it's not digital voices and the movement is all motion capture with rococo suits the facial is facial captures so nothing is being done by a computer everything is being made by us with inside the computer and that's why i think it gives this quality of theater you've taken stories um both both from your your experience as a documentarian and you've taken mythology uh and and it's it's so specific to you know uh you know you, the yeah, brain not working. It's so specific to a, a Bolivian story, and and here you've got this kind of. Uh, we don't all that often see stories coming out of Bolivia hitting the 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 international film circuit in you know necessarily in this way, or at least like I, I haven't gotten to see too many of them over the years, and I'm just I'm kind of wondering how are are the audiences you're encountering whether it's in australia or it's at sundance like how how are these tales striking with people uh is it kind of cracking open something that they didn't know about or are there these these sort of resonances that are kind of you know universal in their specificity I think it depends. I think it's very interesting. We did quite a lot of testing here in Sydney. Still, as I said, it's in beta. It's not released. We haven't worked out yet the transitions between one scene to the other scene. That's We didn't have the time. We finished the day that we had to go live for Sundance. So still, it's, and it's still really heavy. We need to optimize a lot. And um, so it's it's been incredibly interesting to see when we were testing about who was testing it. And I remember this girl that she's a journalist and she's from, she was born in, no, she was born in Burma, I think, and grew up in Australia. And as, as soon as she finished, she said to me, I don't ever want to be like Dang Magpie. I don't want to be a magpie to go to steal stories. For her, that was really, important because she's a journalist and she's a filmmaker and she's a documentary maker and for her it resonated with her in that deep level and then I had like Aboriginal friends who came and watched it and they one of them cried and said thank you sister because you really make me understand what they've done to us but also you it, it's a splash is like something that also will uh, unapologetically tell them what it ha- how it happened and how it feels. Um, then I had a white guy who experienced and turned back and said, but I trusted her. I trusted and she tricked me. In the end, she destroyed me. Like, I can't believe I don't, I don't like her. Then I had really young people that tried it and young people reacted in a way of Mother Earth. So they really, most of the young people really love the jaguars and the jaguars and they seen as a revenge because of what we're doing to mother earth um a friend of my brother from peru uh, said this guy is a character that was sitting down there and he's like he's my friend carlos or something and i don't know i haven't called him for many years maybe he's in prison you base him 
in him. He's from Peru, and we're like, no, we don't know Carlos. <laughs> like, but the fact that he he could really went and talk to Carlos because he resonated with the with the whole experience, and he saw his friend Carlos in prison, and he felt really it hurt him. And then we had people in Italy that loved it and 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 said. Look, you know, I mean, they always portray Italians in a way, and we really like the way to understand this idea behind. And I think that I seen also we tested with older people, and I'm no, I, it was a film reviewer. I'm not gonna say who, and he couldn't even pass through the Oculus first step. So, mm. <laughs> and then yeah. I had to help him from the inside a lot, like he doesn't know, like I just helped him. So he went through and he was so confused. And he said, I think that I didn't know I had to move. And I'm thinking you moved all the way. <laughs> You're one of the persons that moved the most. So he was, <laughs> he was, he was taken aback. He, it was too much for him to even think. It was too much information to even mm. think. Some people just go around they really like when they hear magpie, um, especially white people, because they hear this Australian accent and they have this resemblance with him and they like him. And then um, they really like magpie uh, because they remember him. And there's this reference that that could be me in this really foreign world, uh, this strange world. So I think that, yeah. that there is not, it's, a, it's such a, as I say, it's a meta. <laughs> It's a, it's a metaverse, so every person will get a different experience. And I think that's my final, my real aim to it, is that that we're going to open on a way that I don't even know what's going to happen and what's going to happen with every person and the way they experience. My my aim is that the Jaguars will say to you, um, randomly assign your character. And regard, and then you're going to acquire the characteristics of that character and you're going to have the experience as that character. And then when you're inside the prison, um, everything will be open. And at some point, you're going to come back to the end and you're going to have the end. But everybody will have a different experience. You're going to experience like the story as Supai or as Magpie or as Nuna or as Kilia. And we're going to open up their story. So then... In a, in a way, <laughs> like, um, and even we can give some artif- some more artificial intelligence to the whole thing. So if it's a person that is not very curious or is going around, we just put it back into a linear story, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if it's a person that's more curious and wants to explore more of the world, we just let them explore the world. At the moment, only the Jaguars, it was a choice that only the Jaguars will have artificial intelligence because... I want them to grow um, because I think we humans are very stupid and we are destroying everything. And I think jaguars are the only ones who should be allowed to <laughs> have this. Have this. Um, if, even the jaguars won't. Only the jaguars have to grow as the story grows and start giving this feedback and learning. And, you know, maybe soon the jaguars will also go through the transitions and will take you into the transitions. Maybe the Jaguars will appear inside the prison. I, I, I still, I don't know what's going to happen. They are still growing. They baby Jaguars yet. Are, are you thinking, because you're talking about creating multiple tracks for people to go through and, and that kind of, that kind of kaleidoscopic effect that you get in sleep no more. If you, if you're following one character through the through the whole story and then come back to the middle point and then jump to someone else are are you also thinking about this as something where 
because I love that it's not just like you being a disembodied ghost, but like you would, you know, given the mask of the magpie or, or given another yeah. role to play or maybe even be, you know, become the devil for a second, you know, and see the world through the way the devil does. Um, how are, are you thinking about this as something that could one day be, you know, multiple people going through it once? Yeah. Or, is this, or is this always going to be like, you know, one person goes through, but they get, they get a different path. The ideal situation is that multiple people will be able to experience this world at once, and each of them will have, and it will be great that they can meet inside. And then, really, rather than me using what's happening and how technology is evolving um, to the point like that me as the creator won't have nothing to do with, like it's going to go. <laughs> it's like you, you, you walk it, it's a baby, and, and you see us until it grows, and then when it grows, you have no control anymore, you know? And that would be fascinating to see. It's about how it's a, it's about how easy things are becoming and then we can make more and more. Um, as you know, today we can, with seven minutes of footage, of footage we can create a language, you know? So we can give them yeah. out like their own language and then they can grow. Um, so, it's something like that we are. It's it's something that we want to do into the future. Uh, first, we want to create all of the individual experiences, and then in a funny way, like someone in Japan can decide to. No, I wanted in the past that they will decide who to be, but then I realized it's giving them too much. I'm just <laughs> going to as randomly assign you a character, and then let you let you be that character. Right, and then as we go further, the idea is that hopefully <laughs> we can have um, an open world with multi-user, a multi-user experience, because that's that's the point of this. That's the point of where we're going. Hmm. And uh, yes, I can scale it back, and I can film it from the inside. I can I can work with two Rococo suits and use it as a set, and it's a two D film too, or I can dream and go further and bigger. So this is the two possibilities. I don't, what should I make it to the, you know, it's a bit boring, but you know, I, I don't know yet. People, some people will like it. Um, yeah, maybe like I like to play with it. I dance inside. I sometimes I just put my, um, my Rococo the other day and I did like a koa in, in my studio in Sydney. Like I was Luna and I did a koa and we filmed it and we just put it on the net and it's fun. I also took the Jaguars because they, in Bolivia, they are trying to, again, we have a big fight with the Tibnis for like the territorio and it's like the Amazonia that does not belong to the Andean people, but belongs to the Amazonas people. I'm from the Andes, I'm Quechua. And there is a big fight because of the export of, of meat to China. Um, so, the destruction of the Amazonia is so massive that in 50 years, maybe even in less time, we're not going to have any jaguars. And we have the biggest population of jaguars in the world. So that's why I took the jaguar out and I just yeah. took them to, to, from, took it from a walk in Bondi Beach from my hand to my daughter's hand in a way to, to tell the government that, that we're going to fight this. We're going to keep fighting. It's not going to... I have led the biggest protest for 
the burning of the Amazonia in Bolivia, stopping them against a decree that was that gave them the government the carte blanche and all the businesses to deforest everything to sell um, to grow more cattle to sell meat to China and the United States, uh, primarily China. So <laughs> I, I, I want to keep using this because if when a Bolivian person watches. Also, this idea of colonization goes back to what we're doing. That's why we have the jaguars there. What we're doing to the Amazonian people, because in a sense, we see them as less than us. We repeat the patterns we see because they lived in, in tribal, not even, look, it's all about the environment. In the Andes, you need to work in the land to be able to live of the land. However, in the Amazonia, you need to respect and take care of the land to be able to coexist inside the land because it's just two different places. And I think that for me, that idea of colonization goes to that we live in a pluribus and why my life is more important than the life of the jaguar, why the life of humans is all interconnected. If we don't have jaguars, what will happen is that the crocodiles and the piranhas and everything will grow wild and then people won't have fish like if we won't have fish to eat because the, at the moment the jaguars are the biggest after the like first the humans and then the jaguars within the Amazonia and the Americas. It comes from this line. So if we get rid of them, what the effects are going to be too big. So also prison X for me is like a metaphorical jail, but it's also a call to think about that we live in a pluriverse and that our life is not more important than the life of a jaguar. And this idea of colonization is, is deeply rooted in us. It's going to destroy us because we always want to impose what we think and that we're better and our way of seeing the world and experience the world is better than someone that we see as less, even when it, humans against yeah. animals. Yeah. Um, well, and and, and the, the way that... Not not every immersive thing tries for this. Not every piece of VR tries for this. But there is a a path in the technology and in the the, the technique, even without the technology, and just the theater technique of of putting you for a time in a role that is not your own, so that you can see the world through. You can see the way the world sees someone else. Right. So it's not a it isn't really you seeing the world through someone else's eyes, but it's being treated like you were that person being treated like you were that thing. And that there hopefully sparks some understanding because the limits of our own perception, the thing that keeps us from a from a pluralistic understanding of the world is that we don't know what it feels like to be treated like someone else is treated. And I think that's, I see that that thread, not just as a thread in what you've made, but I, I feel that as a real melody line, like there's a real beat in there. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I got so excited about the piece and, and why I wanted to talk to you is because this, this is a thing that people, they chase after all kinds of stuff with the with the VR. They chase after stuff with the immersive, you know, and, and it's good. It's great. It's like I don't want to stop it from chasing something. But this this here, it, it gets under the skin and it, it talks to kind of the larger crisis that 
the whole world's in at the moment. And, the and it, that it comes, yeah. Mm. The thing is that when we see VR as an empathy machine, it's funny, I just got sent an, an interview with questions and somebody said about it and I went and laugh because I don't see it as an empathy machine. Come on. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I think it's, be- it's, it's different. It's better than, it's bigger than that, the possibilities that I like, I don't want you to feel empathy. I don't care about how you feel. I just want you to understand what's happening and what we're doing to our own and like, and how we all living in prisons at the moment. Yeah, this is a real prison, but we all live in, in prisons inside ourselves and in prisons within within neighborhoods and in prisons with all, your own ideas of what you think the world it is. And we all being puppeted. So it's a bigger puppeter. And that's why I wanted to be the puppeter. <laughs> I wanted to be the one who puppeteers everything and being able to destroy everything in a way because I am trying to seek my also my own liberation, my own sovereignty. And I'm talking in a way of, in a very artistic way, because I, what, <laughs> what VR and Tilbrush and, and this has given me um, my and my group of friends who created it is given us freedom because we had nothing inside. We had no reference inside. And it gave us a total freedom that it felt like it was the beginning of my liberation because I can I can I can actually tell the story as I see it. I have a severe dyspraxia. I was born with it. And and since I was very little, I was very different than everybody else. At school, um, I learned to read when I was three. However, I couldn't learn to use the fork and knife, knife until I was 10. I still walk, eat with my hands a lot of the time. I don't know. It's very hard for me to, to understand the difference between... Uh, I can go to a festival, film festival, when I used to go, and I used to tell them, you need to put me in a hotel next to where you want me to go if I go by myself or send somebody to pick me up because even if I want to, I'm not going to get it because I don't have this sense of time. I don't understand that. So if I go and I see something interesting, I get distracted and I'll get lost and I will even not figure it out. So in a sense, I see the world in so many layers all the time and I wanted to transplant that way of thinking inside Prison X. I didn't want to dumb it down. And of course we dumb it down a little bit because you always have to make compromises. But I didn't want to dumb it down to say to beginning, middle and end and like this is a linear story and it's only one meaning. That's for me, that felt like quite silly. And like I wanted also, because when you have an empty canvas, it's also <laughs> a lot of the creators got inside. A lot of, and this process of co-creation was big here because it's very hard to make facial mock-up to look good, yeah. even in Disney characters, okay? It's really difficult, and I don't believe them. So we had to come up with solutions, and the mask was a solution for that. It was a problem, and in Carnavales, the masks are very thick, and then... People talk through their masks, so it's believable if it was in a real size. So although the Jaguar is because she's a real person uh, in a theater, she has facial mock-up and also Supai, the rest of the characters don't. And that's why we came with the idea of the masks from Carnavales. Um, So 
a lot of things was a lot of solution making. Then when we rigged them, um, the, the, the access didn't work well with doing in Studio 3 Max. And uh, when you rig them, they put you put this into a model and all the models that exist, pre-made models, are male, white uh, male. And also, if they're female, their bodies are so different. Um, we have uh, only six heads. Our body is made of six heads. And the bodies of, <laughs> of white people are seven. So as soon as you put our model inside this, this thing, it immediately made it longer. Mm. And we're like, we don't want that. And it's, it was such a difficult process. And even like... Even for Kilia, one of the characters, you know what I mean? It was like we did it in a Mixamo rig in the end. We really running out of time. And then when I had to puppeteer, or we had girls to puppeteer, it looked very funny. Her legs were like this. And I said to Dan, Dan, it's a white guy. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, yes, you have to, please. And he's like, you're going to always tell everybody. I'm like, please. He says, it's not going to work. It's just the rig is wrong. I said, no, it's not a rig. Come on, try it. He tried it. And it worked mm. because his because it was a white male inside. That was the model because we couldn't personalize it in the end. We didn't have time. So what's happening? It's it's to even understand. It's too much, and how the technology is evolving, but still it's leaving everything that is personalized behind. And I think that this is key for us to understand. Um, even in these little things, you know what I mean? If I want to create a Bolivian world or a world, like if I go to Unity and buy trees, those trees don't look nothing like Bolivian trees. Those buildings don't look nothing like Bolivian buildings or even Japanese buildings or Chinese buildings. So um, depending on the world that I want to create. So we need to start creating asset stores, but they have to be made by the people from those places because if not, they're not going to have any, any real relevance to what you're creating. So yeah. it's it's you think it does not matter until you're inside and then you realize it matters because, you, you know, I don't want a character with very long legs because we don't have very long legs. We have different, like we have shorter legs and our, like, oh, our bodies are different from other bodies. Well, and, and all of that stacks up. I mean, all of that stacks up from, from the, you know, the, 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 the form of the body to the form of the buildings. And, you know, if, if we're not careful, there was another piece in, in Sundance this year, um, you know, uh, the history of shopping malls in Tehran. And one of the things that, that really struck me in that piece was as, as we, we excavated the history and we're going back to see the difference between what the bazaar was and then what the malls are and the malls in Tehran right now are no different from the malls in Abu Dhabi, which are no different from the malls in Glendale, which are no different than the malls in Sydney, particularly Sydney because Westfield owns malls in Sydney and in Glendale, well, maybe not Glendale, but definitely, definitely here in Los Angeles. And that there's just this, flattening, flattening, flattening of the world. And that if we're not careful, you're absolutely right. The digital assets that get made will be just as flat as those malls. And then as people look at those and dream of what they could build and want to want to build the stuff that they see 
on a computer screen in in VR because they've never been somewhere. They because they they're not privileged enough to travel. They will then build what they see on the computer, and that'll be flattened out. And all of the history, all of the the wisdom of how humanity has approached life across this planet over thousands of years will just be squished down so that everything can be a hot topic and a McDonald's. Um, That's what I think I have it here in my wall. I wrote it. We are working against a techno authoritarian future that one that wants to standardize us all. And that's, that's part of what I think my, my work is, our work it is to fight against this standardization of this tech authoritarian future, because um, when people talk about diversity, it for me this diversity talk has even become like a marketing tool. I because they want people who have all different colors, but they all like the system wants who wants. I always I always <laughs> generalize who wants the system. The system wants people who are different colors and different shapes and different. Um, I don't know, tonalities or even languages, but that they all think the same. They all do the same. They all like the same. So this is this is my biggest fear. This is my biggest fear with my own daughter, with schools. This is my biggest fear with... with I, I often tell my daughter that the best present that I'm giving to her when I go is that she doesn't watch television at all and she doesn't play any video games and she just built her first radio. Now she's listening in radio. She's six, so until now she hates television. She's actually telling me to stop in the phone. She does build things with me, so we construct things together. She understands how we construct everything. She can actually even edit a little video herself, but she doesn't watch anything. And sometimes she says to me, but kids at school tell me. And I say, yeah, but then you have to use your imagination to make up what is Pokemon. Like I say, how Pokemon looks. And then she draws something quite amazing, much better than Pokemon. And that because she's imagined, she goes to school and asks them how Pokemon looks like. So I think that I said that is the biggest present that I'm giving you is that I am allowing you to have an imagination. Because... I see it in the parks, children don't play. They imitate what they see in television. That's their play. And this is scary. And like when you see crypto voxels, perhaps, like it's what you say, is very standardized. I'm going to buy a, a gallery and I'll make a cholet in crypto voxels. A cholet is that this Andean palace. And I'll make a cholet that will be so different. And... <laughs> Like, because I just think that we need to push ourselves to see, to, yeah, yes, I want you to create this kind of chair. Even we went in prison next, we even went to the point with the rain, with the clouds. Uh, I told Rilda, Rilda, can you make clouds? And she's like, I don't remember how the clouds from Cochabamba are because she lives in La Paz. And she's like, she sent me this clouds. I'm like, yeah, that clouds, I've never seen that clouds in Cochabamba because in Cochabamba almost never rains. And I always see these clouds in La Paz. So that's the level of detail that we have. I know what clouds from one city look compared to clouds from other city. And that's the level of, that's for me the art of 
filmmaking, of the storytelling, of theater, is when you go further that the devil is in the details of things. We fought so hard to get the, the movement and, and the rigging and the skinning of the characters. And still we are, we're still figuring out that process um, to the point of being going crazy. I, I, I remember um, this guy who's helping us with animation said to me, but where do you see that this part of the neck doesn't move? And I said, show me the Unity project. And I proved it that it didn't move. And I said, he's like, but no one noticed. I said, well, I still noticed. But I was thinking, maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe it doesn't make any difference. But it does make a difference because you will realize, like I realize, and I respect too much the audience. I respect too much the user. I do this because I believe, like often I say, I don't like people. I just love Jaguars because I'm really upset of what's happening, what we're doing to Mother Earth. I'm really harmed. However, I love humanity and I love every person. I, I, I respect every person that will go through this experience to experience because you will become part of it because a little bit of you will be inside what we're creating and we're making because no one will experience prison X the way that you will experience as we open more the world, even to be bigger than us. You're going to be in, inside this own movie that is more, this, this is a metaverse, it's a whole philosophy, ideology, a lot. Like we say, we are rebuilt, we are recreating the neo-Andean fashion. And we are, it's very empowering to ourselves, to the, to the creators. That's what I said. For me, it's not, I don't want to give anyone an education about Andean culture. I'm not interested in that. That's really boring. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm too selfish for that. Or I'm maybe not so generous because I'm upset because mm. I want people to understand what it happened. You imagine my people lived there for 25,000 years, all through the Americans, we are the Indians. And you have destroyed our culture. Why people have destroyed our culture? The colonizers have destroyed. And we are in Bolivia, we're so lucky to be <laughs> one of the countries where the majority of the populations we are indigenous yeah. and we and our culture doesn't need to be in museums we live it we exist our malls in la paz have nothing to do with the malls in new york or maybe even in iran we still have markets we still have this very deep culture of who we are because we survived and because we are the majority still we have to go back to we don't write our languages uh, we are losing them because we're not doing learning them at school. And I want person next to be in Quechua. Next, when I, as soon as this, I have, I get the vaccine, I go back home and I will do it in Quechua and then in Spanish and it can be done in any language. That's, that's the beauty of this. It's just, it's just the possibilities are endless. Yet the, the responsibility of us as creators and the ethics and the philosophy behind it's really black and white. <laughs> I don't think there is too much room for, for discerning. So I think even with this technology, even more, like I don't think that, like <laughs> I often feel like colonizers went, did everything, destroyed us, destroyed our culture, 
committed genocide against our people, and now they even go and tell our own stories and to ourselves to tell us how it was. And I think as we go further into cinema, further into 3D, this becomes even much, it can be used as a tool for decolonization or it can be a tool to erase the past, as you said. So yeah. I think it's a very big responsibility that we all have. And, and I said, if it's not your culture, even when you think on AI clones, like you can clone yourself as whatever, but do you have the right to clone yourself as whatever? You think you have the right to go to Bolivia and tell a story of indigenous Bolivians because you feel like, or because you like them, or you want to help them. You're not helping us. You're actually harming us when you do that, even if you think that what's happening to us, it's so... Uh, that that it's so, I don't know, horrible or sad or something. You are harming us when you're trying to, to, to commit more cultural genocide and tell us what we are. And I think the most important thing is that you also have a role to do here. You have to save all the people who, who are the colonizers. They need to save also their own culture. They look at themselves in the mirrors and start going inside to tell their own stories. And that will be much better for the sake of philosophy, evolution, art, and survival. So I think that that the moment that you respect your own culture, then you're going to understand what it means to respect other cultures and other ways of life, and then go further. And you have to respect the animals, and you respect that not the whole world belongs to you, but the world belong like the jungle belongs to the jaguars, to the cheetahs, to the tigers, to the lions, to the papagayos in Australia, to the koalas, to to the kangaroos. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to us. So yeah. we, we, we don't own the land. The land own us. Yeah. Own yeah. us. We are part of this ecosystem. We live in a pluriverse. So I think that people need to, we, like, need to stop this idea of grabbing and grabbing and grabbing and grabbing. There is not much more to grab. And yeah. if we don't let to regenerate, we're going to be facing, or we are really facing a very dark future. Oh yeah, no, we're it's it's here, it's 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 here. Um, it kind of a dark note to end on, but um, I, I I don't I don't think we're I don't think we're out of the fight yet. And I think that to, to your point about cinema is young and these tools are young. My my hope, the thing that keeps me from just curling up into a ball, is that we're just starting to have the tools to understand how to how to how to be different how to be different from pretty much everything that went before that didn't work and some of that's going to be about going back and it's kind of like the way you know you go you go you, you wind up in vr and you go back to theater and bring that into cinema to make it work we're at the same moment where we've got to go back past behind colonization behind even agriculture and and see how do we create equilibrium how do we create sustainability so that we don't that, that maybe hopefully we can reverse some of the damage because the 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 world's resilient you know earth will find a way long past us it's it's a matter of our survival if we can't figure it out it'll wipe us clean 
And then something else will evolve after us and look at everything that was built and say, wonder where these things went. Um, because they're not here anymore. I think that's that's quite quite relevant, you know what I mean? And I think this idea of art for the sake of art is selfish. And I think mm. this idea, like theater is for the people, by the people, for the community, by the community. Graffiti is by the people, for the people, for the community. And everything that we are expressing ourselves is, it comes from us, by us, for us and for everybody else. An art that does not disturb you, that does not make you think, that does not make you, that I wouldn't even call it art, that's design. Or I love design, by the way, but that's um, decoration. Decoration, it's, we have too much decoration today in the world. And we need to, as artists, now our role is, is to turn on a little button that's called critical thinking <laughs> and do it through individuals and then do it to it to the masses and to communities. This is our role now. We are at this, we have a little window, a little, little window of this massive fight. Everything at the moment is changing. That nothing like Web3, Web3 is around the corner with NFTs and everything that's happening, how the economies are changing, everything. We have this little window where we have to put everything into this fight, not for us, but for the future of humanity and the future of the world and the future of a pluriverse that will exist. And it's such a little, little window that we have. And, you know, technologies, are needed, but we, the artists, the storytellers, it's our role to wake up, to wake up the critical thinking of, of the people, our communities, the masses, to, because I think it's deeper than just, that, than, it's like everybody is having a lot of doubts. It's just, you have to trigger the right button. <laughs> And when yeah. we trigger the right button, and you know, one person won't be able to do it alone. So we, as a community of artists, creators, filmmakers, this like uh, misfits, <laughs> writers, <laughs> uh, because we are misfits. I always been a misfit writers, and um, even with our like journalists and communicators, it is our job. It is our role. We have this opportunity in history, this very little window in history to change everything, to set everything to, into a different path. And then like we will might have a chance. So I really think that this is not a moment that competition is allowed. This is the moment that solidarity, co-creation is needed. This is, I, it's interesting because in Sundance they asked me, people like, did you win? I said, it wasn't a competition in my category. I was happy because of that. I don't, because this is not about winning. When you make a film, you're not in a horse going really fast and the horse that goes faster is gonna win. That's stupid. We're, like that my film, my project is good, doesn't make yours 
but actually mine will enlighten you to do better than me. And I want people to build in what I do so they become better and they can do better things than what I do. And then I can go back and learn from that and use it. And then I don't believe in this idea of secrecy. I think this is so selfish. I think that as artists, as technologists, we need to be very open with everything that we create. So it becomes... That's the reason we're creating. As you said in the beginning, we're building into things. Theater, film, film back to theater. Like We're building in all of these things, and it's not a competition together. It's, it's, you know, we, too, we have done so much damage to be able to keep competing with each other. This is the time where we really have to hold hands and work and take everything from one to the other, to the other, to the other. So this is the point of... of it's, this is this is this is a little window we have, and this is you know the only thing that is keeping us from this unity, that uniting and creating co-creating together. It's it's the way that we've been educated to compete against each other, to compete against. We we're so competitive because that's the way that that we've been programmed. <laughs> we have to yeah. deprogram ourselves because this competition amongst ourselves is gonna. Is gonna let us to destroy all of us, but if we stop that competition and we take this moment in time to let, let let's <laughs> let the good will get let the bondad. I don't know how you say this in English. <laughs> the bondad is um. On that. <laughs> uh, good, good will, good spirit, good, good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need. I don't know if it needs a translation. Just that goodness. Uh, goodness. Yeah. The, kindness. Kindness. Yeah. Kindness. kindness. Benevolence. Benevolence. Let, yeah. Let yeah. the let we should allow this to to led us through the next rather than our selfishness. Let the generosity that we have towards each other. Like in Bolivia, we just went through a revolution. We didn't want Evo Morales to stay in power forever. And then it was, we took him out of power. (laughs) And then the right wing got in power and we took the right wing out of power and we brought back uh, El Mas, that is Morales' party, but without Morales in the head. So we actually achieved what we wanted, and thanks to the unity of the people, thanks to the humility of the social movements, and things that we all protested, and then when we had to protest and blockade again, we all did it again. And we voted for what we wanted. And I think something that happened now in the States, although um, I'm not going to go into politics because I don't <laughs> believe, but, but it's a little bit of that. It's this power of of us, that it, it, it is permeating in the air. The yeah. revolutions are happening little by little in our own heads. Revolutions first have to happen inside you. Because, you know, we know we don't feel right. You know, it's not right to wake up and, and work 10 hours, drive two hours, and then get that little money and then pay, go to a mall and spend it on something that, you know that's not live. You know you're not happy inside. So let's all 
get together. We all I call all the artists and technologists and poets and writers. Let's build. Let's take this moment and let's really take our responsibility as as open the critical thinking of everybody and let's do it respectfully and ethically. Couldn't end the episode on a better note. Yoletta, thank you so much. And if folks want to follow along and and see where the next time Prison X is available, uh, where should they go? Uh, to our work. We have an Instagram uh, PrisonX.vr, I think. Let me see. We have a website, PrisonX.red. We have a link tree, link tree, PrisonX. And PrisonX VR in Instagram. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We'll, we'll send people there. Uh, and the Jaguars. I'm also in tweet on Twitter as the Jaguars. Once again, I want to thank Violetta Ayala for being our guest on the show and for making just a brilliant piece of work. Um, Honestly, I, I cannot wait till Prison X is kind of readily available for everybody because even even in the festival form it's in right now, just the storytelling, um, it's it's the thing, man. It's it's what we've been what we've been looking for. Um, do follow her at the Jaguar S. Uh, sometimes she's on Clubhouse as well, uh, if that is a thing that you do, uh, and. I get it. I, one of the one of the big issues with that is like it still doesn't have, you know, uh, an Android uh, component of it. Uh, it's also it is audio only, and uh, they haven't been building any accessibility issues into it. Of course, um, you know we don't have a transcribe. We can't afford to do a transcribe a description of the podcast. So, uh, so there's kind of a, a, a bordering thing there. Um, <laughs> my head's in a strange place because like. I've been just like kind of tired and hungry all day and it's now late. Like I'm recording this like around like just before six o'clock and my blood sugar is finally leveled out. <laughs> so like the, the the place where my head should have been all day, I just arrived. I just, I just feel like I just got here. Um, <laughs> just got here. I'm ready to go. Like, oh, let's do a day now. And it's like, mm, well, your, your day's kind of over. Uh, man, uh, we are... One of the things I was going to go in a different direction. You know me; I just I just changed gears. Uh, one of the things that putting together the spring fling has reminded me of is just how much I enjoy programming. Like, really, not not coding, like radio programming, television programming, programming, uh, uh, programming a set of uh, events. Uh, and so I've I've been giddy multiple times this week because. We're, we're getting to bring together, like the thing I like the most is like bringing together folks who might not necessarily come together on any other stage because of the whole interdisciplinary thing we do, right? In the way we view all this stuff. And so I'm just, just really excited about that. I'm excited about how there's a lot of opportunity to just de-silo the world's clubhouse is giving us a chance to do some of that. Um, and that's one of the things we're going to be pursuing, 
uh, with this new event we're doing with Kent on the regular. And if we are granted, uh, you know, a club in there, we're going to keep on pushing that idea of, of, of convergence and bringing, bringing these worlds together. Um, it's also something that we are deliberately doing by, uh, piloting people toward the discord. Um, I have this vision for the discord as kind of being a super highway for an information super highway, uh, for the immersive community and, uh, for it to lead out into other spaces so that, you know, people who come to us, they can find their way to room escape artists. They can find their way to the fifth wall forum, um, to the XR social club, uh, all of whom have discords of their own, uh, but also just to find those communities, no matter where they reside, uh, in real life or, uh, or, url as well so uh this is kind of the the work ahead of us uh right now and i'm glad we're just in it uh there's also some more of that kind of work that you kind of see happening um you know some of the infrastructure work that we need to, to get going when we put the leia hat on and that's coming up as well uh, the, the writing team here at NoPro is working on some features and that's coming together. There's a lot more reviews. So I'm just, you know, it's been, it's been a, a long, tough year. We're coming up real soon on some crappy anniversaries and a crappy anniversary, everybody. Uh, but somehow maybe again, it's just my blood sugar stabilizing that root beer hit. Uh, <laughs> Weinhardt's root beer. It's really good. Um, yeah. Like I feel, I don't know. I don't want to jinx anything. You know, that's what it is. I just want to, I just want to share what this programming is with you. I got to write it up and, um, you know, get some names in there, get some of the, get some of the bios out. Uh, but getting all that up and out and, uh, you'll be seeing that at the top of the week. And if you can, uh, swing on by next Thursday at five o'clock Pacific is when we're going to do the everything immersive radio. What stories have you been playing uh, event again? Um, if you definitely have something you really want to talk about, uh, and you're going to be making it, maybe even like reach out to us ahead of time. So we make sure we get you, we get you in, uh, and then the discord, we're going to have that happy hour a week from now, kind of welcoming everyone uh, new in the community. And that discord, uh, doesn't matter what you have. You can be on the web, you can be on your phone. That's the lovely thing about discord. Uh, right now, um, the way, if you are already a member of the Slack, uh, like I said, the invites are going to go out on that. If you are a member of the Patreon, you should already have access to it. If you are neither, if you're neither, uh, go ahead and uh, DM us on at the new proscenium uh, Twitter and tell us that, uh, that you heard it on the podcast and you want to get into the discord and we will send you an invite. And if you aren't on that, uh, you can message us at Facebook as well. That'll work. Sounds much fun. <laughs> DM us is more fun. I mean, technically it's DMing us on Facebook, but you know, I just don't like getting those. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I use each of these tools in a very specific way. Okay. Is there anything I'm forgetting? No, except we got to do the credits for the show. So, Let's do the credits for the show. Let's open that up. 
The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Our support comes from our Patreon backers at patreon.com slash no persinium. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mustry, Brittany, and Elaine. If you have an event you would like to have listed in our newsletter, please go to everythingimmersive.com and submit it there. It will appear in our searchable index and it will also go into our newsletters. If you are looking for review consideration, please send us an email at pitches at noproscenium.com. If you'd like to volunteer to work with the NoPro team, you can also write us at pitches at noproscenium.com. We are always looking for folks who are enthusiastic enough to dive in with both feet and uh, serve the public trust here in immersive land. All right. Maybe the root beer is wearing off now. <laughs> Suddenly I'm like, no, I'm tired. Uh, you guys got the sugar high. Aren't you lucky? All right. Well, I got to go deal with the crash now. So until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. <laughs>